welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about international business and globalization and the effects these have had on our life, our work and our travel over recent decades. Today on Interlinks, we're going to be taking a deeper dive into the world of the supply chain as we do kind of once a month. It's become a, a pattern now with some colleagues of mine from the supply chain special interest group at the Society for the Advancement of Consulting, SAC as we call it, uh, who will be joining uh, me from the west coast of the US and from Australia. And this particular uh, deep dive is the first of a, of a series of, of three where we're going to be looking at the ongoing issues around global uh, supply shortages which is one topic that I spoke about last week on the on the program as an area kind of ripe for innovation and change as we emerge into uh, opening uh, economies and so on over the next number of months and the rest of the year. Hopefully, if there are no setbacks. So today, uh, the first of these of this series of three, which we do one today, which is in May, next one in, in June, and the next one after that in July. So today we're going to be looking at the cause and effect of these global uh, supply uh, shortages that are being experienced around the world, what the likely duration is, and what some of the threats and opportunities are that are arising from, from those. And then in June, we maybe go into more uh, detail in terms of effects or consequences. And in July, we'll maybe look at some of the strategies and uh, tactics that, that companies are going to be putting in place. So for today, I guess we're going to get a perspective from three parts of the world. So I'm here in, in Europe, I'm in Ireland. Evan is uh, president of Evan Bulmer and Associates in Adelaide, South Australia. He's joining us from that part of the world. And then we have uh, Lisa Anderson joining us from LMA Consulting Group. And she's in the metro area of Los Angeles in, uh, in the US, in California. Uh, so welcome, Evan. Thank you, Patrick. And welcome, Lisa. Hi, glad to be here. Are you well? How are things in California? Great. We're making great progress with... Uh coronavirus, <laughs> or at least you should say. Give us, a, um, give us a status update then on the corona stroke opening up situation in, uh, in California. Well, I mean, California, as compared to the rest of the U.S., is um, running a little bit behind. But in essence, the U.S. is opening, opening up. Uh, we're finding that a significant portion of our uh, pop, adult population is getting vaccinated. And I think that it's likely to get approved for um, kids 12 and up very soon. So uh, people are starting to travel again. The planes are becoming full. They haven't added them all back, but the ones that are going are, are starting to become full again. And are there, uh, people are, there are getting out. travel between states? You can go to any other state. Is that, is that yeah. Right? yeah, that's correct. Okay. I read um, something about some states, um, you know, particularly ones that tend to have Republican majorities, there seems to be a higher level of vaccine hesitancy coming through. Is that a thing? Is that really happening? I think there's probably a slight uh, a difference in, in the two, but I haven't noticed it being um, you know significant. What I have noticed, though, is, is that there's a lot of people who are... Um, you know, there's a, a lot of folks who are getting it. There are some there are some folks who, who don't want to get it, um, that they're just thinking that it's I don't know that they just you know don't want to get it. Mm. So uh, hopefully we can get enough people vaccinated so that it's uh, we have herd immunity regardless. 
Yeah. Well, I guess here in here in Europe, um, we're a, a bit behind uh, the US in terms of vaccination, but it is really picking up speed now. So what we're beginning to see in, in some countries, like where I am here in Ireland, the, the rates of infections and hospitalizations are going down and the opening up is starting, but it's it's quite slow. Um, some of the other European countries, um, even though the cases are higher, they're, they're, they're opening up perhaps faster than, than we are. So, for example, in, in, in Spain, there were street parties on Saturday night uh, when they took away the curfew. There was an 11 p.m. curfew. And they, yeah. removed, they removed the curfew. And my, my daughter, who's doing uh, Erasmus in, in Madrid, told me that there were street parties until 6 a.m. You know, probably not the safest thing to be doing, but that's... that's <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going on there. That's so, funny. So, and, and then the European Union, another thing that's happening really interesting is that they're looking to bring out, potentially in June, a digital green certificate to facilitate travel within the European Union, within the 27 uh, countries of the European Union, and perhaps also to recognise a certificate that the UK might bring in and maybe the US will have a certificate as well, and that will facilitate um, travel among, among those countries. In the UK, they're doing really well in terms of vaccination, so they're far ahead of Europe. I think they're even further than the US, um, so they've done, they've done quite well. Uh, Evan, what's the, what's the COVID situation update in, uh, in Australia? You're going into oh, autumn now, right? You're going into your autumn, winter season now. Yeah, we are going into um, our winter season. Um, look, it, it, to me, it's really interesting, you know, dampen the curve or flatten the curve became eliminate the virus somehow in um, you know, our world over a period of time. And so um, because we're an island and because the outbreak happened in Europe, so we got to watch it. I feel like Australia, you know, it didn't arrive here. Um, we shut our borders in a screaming hurry and, um, you know, we can get two cases in a state and that will cause, you know, other states to have lockdowns and um, prohibit travel. Um, okay. India's um, outbreak yeah. and Australia shares, um, you know, a lot of um, heritage with India in terms of colonisation and cricket and, you know, a number of sporting issues and what have you. And um, we had cricketers over there in a bubble um, playing a high-profile cricket tournament. Um, it, the outbreak there has caused the Australian government to shut the borders to even Australian citizens for two weeks, which has caused some controversy, you can imagine. Mm -hmm. But that, that just, to me, just shows, like, we don't have it here, so we can take a decision um, to keep our borders shut, which means our vaccination rollout is terribly slow. Okay. And terribly painful. And, and I can just see, you know, Europe's opening up, America's opening up and Australia will lag, which has been my fear for a while now. And can you can you travel between states within Australia? Yes, you can. Um, just get ready though. The, this, the, the state premiers in some states you know, will order a lockdown at a moment's notice with three cases they can't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so you could, you, could, you could go to Sydney for a visit and you could end up getting stuck there maybe for two Correct. weeks. Correct. So, yeah, it's not unusual to have, you know, Mother's Days and Christmas that you know there's been massive disruption to you know holiday plans, which has of course really upset some of the industries that have been terribly hurt by this. Yeah. And the yeah. travel industry and the hospitality industry are desperate to get people back. And you know, mm. our health professionals are very, very, very um conservative in their approach to this, which yeah. has massive economic consequences. 
Yeah. Okay, so let's have a look then at the these issues around um, supply shortages that we're that we're seeing. So we come back to you, uh, Lisa. Um, we, we maybe we'll talk about effects, and then maybe see can we pick at the at the the causes, and then see where we think it's going. You know, long this is going to long going to go on um so what 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 effects are you seeing and i guess there's probably two elements where you're seeing it one probably in your in your business life in terms of your your clients and maybe your own business but then also as a as a consumer um what what are you what are you seeing in terms of um shortages and what are the effects uh well there's definitely uh clients are having um a lot of issues uh with with the shortages or disruptions, if you will, uh, I mean, there's been a lot, a series of problems. Um, the LA and Long Beach ports have been backed up for months. They, at first, they thought that they would clear up sometime this summer. And now I think they've realized that it's going to, you know, it's not going to be cleared up till sometime in 2022, probably. Uh, really, with the rise in e commerce, with, uh, with the change in, uh, with the pandemic. And the, um, you know, the, uh, the the ports got behind with the coronavirus cases and, you know, some of the other issues going on there. It's just been a real problem. Um, then there was the Suez Canal <laughs> issue, and that caused issues, too, for, for some clients that were bringing um, materials in through that uh, avenue. Um, there's computer chip uh, shortages that, you know, everyone's been talking about doesn't seem like that's going to be solved, you know, anytime, anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other shortages as well. So really what I've noticed is that all of my clients are experiencing some sort of issue due to um, the disruption of materials or the disruption of products or just like products not being able to get through the ports. So they're, you know, they're, well, they're overreacting for one and ordering extra inventory. I mean, no one's interested, no one's concerned about having too much inventory right now. They're worried about um, being able to service customers um, at the moment. However, our warehouses are completely full. Um, prices are going, you know, skyrocketing for space in the Inland Empire. Since I live in the area that has 10% of the um, warehouses for the U.S., and uh, the price of getting product here from overseas is really expensive. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, they're, they're just experiencing a lot of uh, disruption. And there's definitely an issue with, with in terms of pricing and even in terms of space. Like, definitely finding a new warehouse is impossible. Um, a lot of people are going to 3PLs because they're realizing they can't get it in. Of course, the 3PLs don't have any space or mm. ability to take on customers either. So, so there's a lot of um, a lot of challenges to work through that way. Okay, so we're seeing uh, delays, increasing inventories, shortages, and price rises is kind of what what you're seeing. And in your own right. in your own um, consume as a consumer, are you seeing things that you want and need to buy not available or well, so that's um, for a different reason. Uh, but if I like going to a restaurant, uh, a lot of them can't find the workers. So the the real issue, and this is true with my clients too. But as far as the only thing I'm noticing, I guess I don't have a haven't had an issue where I needed things that that are disrupted and not available. But uh, is 
is the lack of people. Like clients are really having a, a struggle, really struggling to find people who will work. And we have unemployment benefits here that are extended. And so there are definitely people who would rather um, stay on unemployment benefits than work. Um, and that's definitely holding true um, in restaurants. They can't get people enough people back. So there's, there's limited capacity. I mean, we're still on limited capacity in the restaurants, but we're also, but probably a much larger issue than that is, is that they don't have the people uh, to even open it up at the 50% capacity or whatever it is right now. One of the things that we're seeing here is um, a timber shortage, and then that timber shortage is feeding through to, you know, people are wanting to buy uh, garden furniture and, and stuff like that. So that's yeah, actually, you're right. The anything that relates to building products is definitely short. So um, I actually did a house upgrade, like maybe it was nine months ago. And I understand that if I had waited, um, well, it was an electrical upgrade, but if I had waited, it would have been much more expensive and harder to get. But yeah, actually I just spoke on NBC news about the lumber shortage. So you bring up a good point. Um, and it's really, they were asking me the same question, but it's that, um, anything building products related or construction products related is, is very in limited supply because everyone during the pandemic has realized that, gosh, if I'm going to work from home, I may as well like my house. And um, so I think I'm going to upgrade it. And then the same thing is true for lawn and gardening equipment and uh, materials. I have a client that's in the lawn and gardening equipment and their, their business has skyrocketed and it doesn't look like it's slowing down. Um, their e-commerce has skyrocketed as well, but just the regular business is definitely not slowing down. I've been I've been looking for a cover for my barbecue and uh, a patio heater for for weeks, and eventually going to the big boxes here, I couldn't find it. So eventually went online and, and ordered it, and the lead time is weeks. So we're still we're still yeah. waiting for this stuff to come. It's ordered and it will come sometime, probably when our pretty disappointing summer here in Ireland is over, and we have no need for it anymore. So Evan, what 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 are you noticing in terms of supply shortages uh, both in the business sense as a consumer in, in Australia? It's you know, significant now. Um, uh, you know, so lumbar, support, uh, lumbar shortage in the US. Um, Australia's got um, uh, plenty of timber that um, we can grow. And um, if you're a merchant, uh, you know, a trader in building products, um, I can tell you, you're shipping stuff to the US now instead of um, supplying it to the local market because you price take. And so, uh, you know, for example, in the construction industry here, if you're a big player, you can secure supply. But if you're a smaller player, you're in trouble. And so you've got a lot of small builders right now whose projects are completely stopped, can't get supply and so the project's not going to happen uh you know the the chip shortage in the car industry as i understand it the car industry didn't buy a whole lot of chips because it figured it wasn't going to make any cars um of course i you know, demand for cars has gone through the absolute roof because we're not traveling we're happy to buy cars um because a whole lot of counterintuitive isn't it that yeah and so you know my understanding of course you think about it you're mazda you know, you've got a whole lot of demand all over the world. 
you know, you reckon Australia hits the top of the list? I reckon, you know, cars that were destined for Australia all of a sudden are now destined to go somewhere else, you know. Um, so we're looking forward going, demand has never been higher, can't get supply. I, I, I think profit-taking absolutely has to happen, which is you know, what I'm seeing. So you, <laughs> when 10 people want your product and you only have one of them, guess what? <laughs> You're not discounting. <laughs> uh, so, you know, profit taking is definitely occurring, but, you know, the growth, well, I, I think it's going to flatten growth, you know, and you know, I'll order something and happily wait four or five or six months. Yeah. I guess I guess the thing as well and the other aspect to this is uh, the, the the duration and so on. And we know from some of the other forums that we have, we're involved in we, where we've seen arguments about, whether there is real inflation or whether it's just a blip and that these supply issues will iron themselves out. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal today about inflationary price rises in the United States. But also in the same article, we have Janet Yellen, who's the Treasury Secretary now in the new administration. And she's saying that their their view of it is that it's it's temporary and that they're not particularly concerned about it, that they reckon the supply issues will work themselves out in a, in a period of months. What's your, what, what's your own take on that, uh, Lisa? I know, you know, we've, we've seen some arguments in our forums about, you know, whether lean is, is dead and JIT is out the window and now we're into, you know, warehouses full of inventory and there's all of these back and forth arguments. And sometimes we get kind of clouded by just what's going on at the moment. But if we stand back, what do you, what do you think? Well, I think it's, uh, like we uh, put in the ebook we uh, did a while ago, uh, I don't think that I think that lean is continuing on. Um, you know, it's eighty twenty, of course, but you know, at the moment, people are very much less concerned about inventory, mainly because they're thinking about service. However, all in all, the people who are successful are going to um, be thinking about efficiency and resiliency. Um, both as they go forward. It's just that right now, uh, like Evan said, the um, demand is through the roof for a lot of products. Like like building products is just a good example, but um, demand's through the roof. Uh, it, it isn't slowing down. And so, of course, you can't keep enough inventory on hand. Uh, and people continue to um, order inventory and they don't really know how much to order because demand is so high. So they're ordering, they'll, they're bound to get stuck with inventory somewhere along the line as things, uh, as things slow down. And then they'll probably become more worried about inventory again. You know, that's just the cycle. But uh, at the moment, I think that the smartest clients are thinking that they need to, they do need to be efficient and resilient. And they are looking at how they can place their inventory closer to customers and how they can be more resilient so that they can, um, you know, meet to meet the changing conditions without having to have to worry about um, what's on the water and what's everywhere else that's, you know, going to be uh, a significant in- impact on their um, cash flow. It is a balancing act because I guess forecasting is, is, is gone. So, you know, th- th- that isn't very useful. You have this high demand now, people may be bringing in, uh, excess inventory. And it's interesting, I heard an economist speaking recently, and he was saying that one of the reasons that we don't have 
um, inflation, we haven't had inflation for the last 20 years, and why our recessions tend to be shorter is because our supply chains are so tight. So you don't have, like back in the 70s and 80s when you had the recession, there was so much inventory in the, in the channel that it took all of that inventory to work its way out before the recession could come to an end. And we, we don't have that any longer. But if we don't play this right, some people may get caught with huge excess inventories when things uh, normalize in the future. I, I imagine as well, you see a lot of companies that they weren't necessarily sophisticated in terms of looking at their supplies, what's coming from where, what is really critical. And it might be something simple like a valve or a, or a piece of pipe or something like that that's critical to the production process. And now they're becoming a bit more sophisticated. So some things maybe will come closer to home. There'll be the diversification of suppliers, maybe local suppliers for some critical things. And then they'll keep bringing the, you know, the basic stuff for the commodity stuff from, from long distance and have larger inventories of that stuff and smaller inventories of the other stuff. What do you think, um, Evan, in terms of uh, uh, that kind of inventory, inflation, recession, danger, all of that in the future? I think um, on the short term, if you are profit taking and, and you're there's plenty of that, I think, going on because you have to. If your volume's down because you can't get supply, then you've got to make the margin on the way through. The risk, of course, is that, you know, if you're holding on to stuff that you can't sell at some point at the other end, that's the bit you're worried about. But if you're making money on the way through, is it going to matter? You know, um, and I've got this view that once this thing sort of settles itself down, you've got a second kind of wave of demand coming from the world. And that is as the world goes back to, you know, traveling and trading with itself. So you know, I've got a sense that those that successfully navigate this from a strategic point of view and bank their money and stay strong are going to do really, really well um, because it is going to take out the weak and the dumb. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess we've seen as well, um, I think it was um, Alan Weiss was writing today about um, restaurants coming back online and some of them not finding staff and not being able to to open. And I think he was making the point that those who played it smart and who looked after their people and kept in contact with them and kept in contact with their customers survived and those that didn't, they're not going to survive. So you're going to end up with some pretty... Um, what would you say companies in really good shape because they've survived this therefore they're they're in good shape and now they're poised to to take advantage i guess one thing we're going to see as well is maybe we've been talking about you know garden furniture and uh, materials and um, durables spending has been there and as things normalize people are going to shift back to services to eating out to traveling to going to events and so on so we see the spend maybe move over to to the other side. Um, so what, what kind of, um, as we've kind of come into the last few minutes now, in terms of opportunities coming out of all this, Lisa, what do you, what do you see? Uh, any opportunities that, you know, might be surprising that people or, or businesses might be able to jump on? Well, uh, definitely e-commerce is not going to stop increasing because folks really have become accustomed to getting things delivered to their doors. So that's probably not surprising, but uh, it's also driving a technological wave of change. So what, you know, what was supposed to happen in the next 10 years uh, technologically is happening now. So there's definite opportunities for 
Well, for the folks who, like, like Evan said, I really believe that people who, who, uh, are the smart ones who find a way to navigate through this period of time, um, who don't have everything, um, you know, like uh, unavailable to their customers, <laughs> they're going to succeed. And so it's going to, it's going to take the, um, strong away from the weak. Um, and so I, I think that, um, a lot of that's going to increase. I think aside from that, you know, the only thing that might be a surprise is that there, there probably will be some industries that um, are going to start, you know, they're going to have to start slowing down eventually. But I think people are pretty hyped up right now. So it's it's, it's not slowing down anytime soon. And it's definitely looks like it's, it's inflation is coming. I mean, a lot of things have gotten a lot more expensive um, in the U.S. It's interesting, the example of e-commerce. So during, during the crisis, I was... Um, uh, contracted by a company that's in the, in the retail space, and they they have a, they have a shop, uh, you know, high street business, but they also had this uh, e-commerce business that they started maybe a decade ago, and it, you know it grew slowly, slowly, and then uh, COVID hit and it skyrocketed, and this guy brought me in to help with the physical fulfillment side of the the, the warehouse aspect of that, and we're working away on the on the project. And uh, he contacted me recently and he said that he has now become a, co a consultant to other retailers uh, because he has expertise in terms of, you know, building the, the website, building the systems that, that support it. And he is now referring me to his new clients in terms of the physical fulfillment side. So it was a complete kind of um, surprise and, and, a, and a pleasant wow. surprise. So there you go. So a client, client becomes a consultant, and then he becomes the referrer. So it's been, it's been a good, good, uh, good experience uh, for for you, Evan. Then in terms of opportunities coming out of this, what do you see? Oh, look, I think there's you know, for Australia, there's wonderful opportunity. Um, you know, we're being forced by our second largest trading partner, China, to find new markets for a lot of products because they're just refusing to buy our stuff. <laughs> um, uh, you know, on the other hand, our extraction industries are achieving record, record profits for iron ore because of China's demand. So it's so fascinating. Um, and we have um, 25 million people, a very wealthy country for 25 million people, and a government that is more than willing to borrow money and spend it in the economy in order to um, weather whatever storm is coming our way, particularly given how um, you know, ready we are to shut borders for health reasons. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot to like about what's going on. Um, but equally, you know, just like the virus has taken out, um, you know, the weak and the vulnerable, in uh, from a health point of view, the virus has taken out the weak and the vulnerable from a business point of view. Yeah. I mean, that leaves a playing field for new green shoots. Whenever that happens, you get a whole lot of people out of work, but, you know, become enterprising, I reckon. Yeah, um, yeah. interesting. Uh, and, you know, th there's just a lot to like going forward and, and many, many businesses' pipelines are now secured for a long time going forward, you know. Demand's high, can't get supply. That just means, you know, I've got contract going forward for six, nine, 12 months. So, you know, I know what my revenue is going to be for a lot of businesses. Mm. Um, and that's a pretty healthy environment to, to invest in. 
Yeah, it's interesting. So we, we'll we'll come back to this uh, next month and uh, and the month after. But uh, for now, I mean, the clock has has flown past as it usually does. So it's been a pleasure again talking to you today, and uh, many thanks for being here with us yet again. Um, and look forward to speaking to you in in June and July. So and thanks also to our listeners. And remember that if you would like to know more about how I can help you to formulate and implement international business strategies that deliver, check out my blog on albalogistics.com and my book International Supply Chain Relationships which you can pick up on Amazon Google Books or Apple Books so thank you for listening and keep well until next time